turn with me to the reading of God's Word in John's first letter in the fourth chapter, 1 John 4. This is the Word of God. Let us read it and hear it and seek its application. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is, that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. But this is the love of God, by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this, love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, because perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his neighbor, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his neighbor whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God 
should love his brother also. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Almighty God in heaven, you have spoken, we have heard. Would you so, by the power of your spirit, give appropriate response and application to what we have now heard you say. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I gave it a little title. I'll refer to it two or three times again, of course, as we ponder this passage for the next few minutes. I'm glad that I'm a believer. I'm glad that I believe. It wasn't too long ago till someone was uh, sitting in my office and, and uh, expressed a number of concerns. One being was, Bebo, do you ever doubt? At times, I think I doubt. Do I really doubt the gospel? Do I really doubt whether I'm a Christian or not? Do I doubt? Do I doubt? There are times when doubts hit us, aren't there? Don't tell anybody, but I, I, I'm not really even sure you're here today. I doubt that you exist. <laughs> Prove that you exist. I'm not sure you can. I doubt. I wonder at times, my mind will get a little bit twisted up sometimes. <laughs> I took these classes in philosophy all those years ago, and actually this past week, I had a little email conversation going on with one of my professors now, well, he's from the University of Liverpool, lives in Liverpool, England. But I had a little email conversation with him, thanking him for the attention that he paid to me back in those days of study, and thanking him for being one of those very unusual uh, individuals in my estimation being a true philosopher yes and there are not many of them the rest of us simply read them and quote them <laughs> but he is one of a very small group of pure philosophers in my estimation and he is also as I told him I acknowledge him to be a true believer a true believer in the gospel of Jesus and those two things I said to him have encouraged me through the years as I've stood on his shoulders, as it were, when in other situations being bombarded by that, what go, that which goes on all around us, being bombarded with professors in classes. <laughs> They're not all bad, but I, I, I had some professors who would bombard students for the sake of undermining their credibility of the gospel of Jesus. I, I have. Have you? Did you? Have you read? Have you heard? Well, doubt is something that occurs on occasion, isn't it? It was Luke who wrote to Theophilus these words. Luke said this. He's writing so that you might know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. I'm writing to tell you. I'm writing to say, I've, I've seen it, I've heard it, I've felt it, I know it. I have the privilege of teaching, I did have the privilege of teaching a little class at, at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Did you ever hear of it? I think you heard of it. Todd Matoka's father-in-law, Ben Shaw, taught there for a number of years. I get to teach a little class at Greenville. Oh, I'm so, I'm so happy with that. 
but I was teaching history of philosophy for a number of years. And, and uh, it was my philosopher professor all those years ago who helped me come to understand this. There are different ways of seemingly coming to understand truth. One is empiricism. The empiricists, they said that we only know through our senses. Well, Hume the philosopher destroyed that concept by saying you cannot verify the truthfulness of your senses. Oh, oh Bebo, where are you going? Don't go, don't go into all this. But, but you ride through, you, you ride in the summer down a long highway, you, you see that, that pool of water on, on, on the highway, don't you? It's a mirage. Your senses are not telling you the truth. You hear something in the middle of the night, you get up with your, with your stick in hand, you're ready to defend the house, and it wasn't anybody at all. It was the dog banging into something. Your senses are not always telling you the truth. They're not absolutely trustworthy. Indications, yes. Well, another, the rationalist. Oh, oh, my philosophy professor helped me think about the rationalist. The rationalist. Oh, 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 Descartes, I think, therefore I am. Well, it was good old Descartes back in the 18th century who not only uh, came, espoused something we all quote, I think, therefore I am. Well, in his meditations, he could only justify the truthfulness of his reasoning with a God who verifies it. Reason may or may not be accurate. Did you ever notice that about yourself? <laughs> Did you ever notice? I'm going to use him as an example. We might say all humans have three arms. Jim Shull is a human. Jim Shull has three arms. <laughs> he doesn't have three arms. The syllogism can be accurate. The reasoning can be accurate, but it may have absolutely nothing to do with the reality. Well, do I ever doubt? Do I ever doubt? Do I ever doubt? John is telling us in this passage that there is truth to the gospel because of what God has done. It is John who's, who uh, in, in 1 3 wrote this What we have seen, we've heard, we've claimed to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John said, This the disciple who bears witness of these things, who wrote these things, and we know that his witness is true. God, by the power of his Spirit, changed. John, God, by the power of his spirit, changed Bebo. I made reference to being converted at Lake Forest Ranch between Louisville and Macon, Mississippi, all of those decades ago. And it was as though ah, things changed. I see it. I get it. I understand it. And John is telling us some things in this passage that cause us to say, I really am so happy that I am a believer. Are you a believer? Has God so worked in your life to give you that conviction? Faith, the Shorter Catechism rightly says, faith is a saving grace. 
It is not the end of a syllogism. It's not the end of an experience. It is the end of the trustworthy working of God applying the truths of the word in our hearts. Okay, okay. Bebo, get past all this stuff. Okay, here we go. I'm glad I'm a believer. I think John was delighted he was a believer. The first thing that I note out of John's passage is this, number one, I'm glad I believe because God is the God of propitiation. Whoa, all the way down in that 10th verse. He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. <sighs> that word is not often used. When did you last speak, uh, speak the word propitiation? <laughs> Well, you know, I was out on the soccer field recently watching the grand, grandson play, and I said, oh, you know, the great thing is propitiate. No, it's not a word that we use very often. It's used four times in the New Testament. But it is a power-packed word. And it's, in its packing, it is telling us that there is a turning away of the wrath of God by means of an offering. Wow. It tells me that I don't continue to be subject to the wrath of God, but I have a mediator. This is a con consistent teaching of the Bible all the way from Genesis 3.15 forward. That we have one who bears our punishment and is therefore our propitiation. The wrath of God is averted because Jesus takes it. What is sin? Notice a little string of ideas here. Okay, propitiation. Uh, God, uh, Jesus takes the wrath. Uh, number two in the little string here, this first point. What in the world is sin? Yes, you know, if you remember the catechism, the catechism rightly says, sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Sin is actively or passively not doing what God says we should do and or doing what God says we should not do. Sin. Sin is my problem. You're guilty. You're guilty. You're guilty. Jesus says, and it's not just in the things that you do, it's in the things that you think and things that you are. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Deep down inside, I have to admit to you that I think things that ought not be thought. I get angry, I get short, I get, I, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you. And you would be embarrassed for me to turn on the video of your heart too, to see what really goes on there. In teaching at RTS all those years ago, uh, 
I think I don't think I've said this, but I think I can say it. I, I had a I had a tendency to say to the class, "You're just a bunch of scurrilous rascals. <laughs> you scurrilous rascal, you. You're a knuck. It's just a class full of knuckleheads." The next week, I received an anonymous note from one of the students. Anonymous note from one of the students saying, you ought not denigrate students the way you do by calling us knuckleheads and scurrilous rascals. Well, the class came around again, and, I, and the next week I had to say, well, let me apologize if what I said was offensive. That's not a very good apology, is it? Because I wasn't really apologizing. <laughs> if you were offended, I didn't mean to offend you. I can apologize for that. But I want you scurrilous rascals to know that you're scurrilous rascals. <laughs> sinners. You're guilty. Genesis 6, every imagination of the intents of the heart was only evil continually. Okay. Romans 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay. The wages of sin is death. Okay. I'm getting it. That's who I am. That's who you are. That's who we are. And in the little chain of thought, okay, propitiation, okay, sin, okay, Justice, whoa, justice, hmm. The wrath of God from the earliest of days in Genesis 3, 15, go read it again sometime. There will be just retribution for our sin. The wrath of God is directed Ultimately then, it is God's intrinsic nature to explain atonement for us. Propitiation, a synonym, not exactly a, a, an exact word, but a synonym of propitiation is atonement. And you and I learned, I think I may have learned it at uh, Lake Forest Ranch also, Atonement, at one being brought back to God because His wrath is handled. Matthew 16. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. He provided handling justice as it had to be handled. And another little thought in the little string, vicarious atonement. Christianity brings to us being made right back with God afresh. I've been reading in my devotions I try to read several things each morning, but I'm reading through Jeremiah also. This past week I was struck by the repetitive phrase of God through Jeremiah saying, in the midst of decrying the evil of the people and calling them back toward him, God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. I'm your God, and you're my people. 
one might say, and I think it was Palmer Robertson. All, does anybody know Palmer Robertson? I know Palmer Robertson. I know. I had Palmer in class all those years ago. <laughs> Palmer Robertson, who drilled into us that the Bible message might be, might be encapsulated in this little phraseology. I will be your God and you will be my people. In Mississippi, we want to know who your people are, don't we? Who are your people? I'm God's people. Are you God's people? You see, if you're God's people, we're very reassured that propitiation is mine and yours. The first point's always longer. It's Bebo's weird tendency. Second point becomes shorter. By the time we get to the third point, we just may kind of cruise on over it. So don't lose heart on me. Second point is this. The second point is that I'm glad I'm a believer because as John explains in verses 12, 13, 15, 16, God abides in me. That's kind of a strange thing, strange concept, isn't it? God abides in me. He lives in me. God dwells in us. From the previous chapter in John, and to one who keeps his commandments, and the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And we know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. And Jesus said in John 15, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. We are abiding in Christ. In John 15 again, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. We are abiding in Christ. He promised that the Spirit of God, God Himself, same in substance, equal in power and glory as the Father and the Son. Mystery of mysteries, mystery of mysteries. How can God be three persons and one being? Mystery of mysteries. But He has set Himself to be. And we say, though the mystery is confounding to me, Sir, I salute the flag, and I believe what you have told me. The Spirit of God has been sent by the Father and the Son, yes, by the Father, to abide in us. I'm Spirit-filled. You Spirit-filled? We're Spirit-filled. I'm glad I'm a believer because I'm Spirit-filled, guiding us. John 16, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Got a good quote. Do you like to carry quotes with you? I'm kind of a, you know, phrase kind of guy. I wish I could remember quotes better, but I've got a good quote from the Puritan Thomas Watson. He said, uh, and I garble his sentence a little bit, <laughs> but this is what he said. The Bible is the chariot in which the Spirit of God moves. The Bible is the chariot 
in which the Spirit of God moves. God's Spirit, the Westminster Confession, first chapter, last paragraph, explains that God's Spirit speaks to God's people in and through the Word of God, comforting the hearts and souls of God's people. God's Spirit abides with you. That is, that, that is I think, amazing. John 16, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak of his own on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. John 14, he brings to us the words of Jesus by remembrance. In John 15, he testifies concerning Christ. In John 16, he convicts concerning sin. I've got the Spirit. If you are in Christ, you have His Spirit. I'm glad I'm a Christian, number two, because God abides in me. Does He abide in you? It's a fair question. Number three, I'm glad I'm a believer because God takes away all fear. That's what John says in verse 18. Now we've got to distinguish a little bit between terror and fear. Well, we're told we're to fear God. Yes, we're to fear God. We are to hold Him in awe and reverence in His presence. But we don't shake in our boots in the presence of God. We are not fearful of what might happen. In fact, we are confident in what happens. We are not fearful because we're in Christ. Some of us, one or two of us, I'll bring you into my little group. One or two of us are getting older. Had a good lunch with a good friend this week. He's somewhat older than I am. But he was, uh, he was sort, sort of amusing uh, a bit about life and his relationship with the Lord. We, he included, though he has his musings, we, we have no fear. What is my quote that I used from uh, Brister Ware? Without a doubt, I've said it here because I say it everywhere. Brister Ware, an assistant, assistant pastor at First Church in Jackson for 125 years. Brister Ware. Brister said, the afflictions of this life wean us away from the affections of this life. We get old. We have hard, difficult times. And we find ourselves anticipating heaven more than we've ever anticipated it before. Because rightly said, God's providence is His holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all His creatures and all their actions. God's fingerprints are all over me. Lord, strengthen me. As we were reading in the responsive reading, Lord, would you be my guide? Would you be my comforter? Lord, would you be my protector? Lord, these things are hard. 
but they in God's providence are part of his fingerprints that he's laying all over us. No fear, no fear. Such fear as rightly understood is consistent with love as the angels themselves stand in, in, uh, in admiration and wonder in the presence of God, we shall too, and we do too. Amazing, amazing. Uh, the world, it's going crazy, isn't it? God is not less God today than he was yesterday. And though you are encountering difficulties that in the past you did not have to face, that doesn't mean that God is less God than he was in days gone by. John is saying, little children, God loves me. Little children, God loves you. We love him because he first loved us. It's reverence, we're reverent. There's fear and rightly expressed. Thomas Watson again said this, what a great privilege to be freed, not from the stroke of affliction, but from its sting. He said, Christ has, dawned, has, uh, has drawn, excuse me, Christ has drawn the poison out of every affliction. We have a Father to pray to, the Spirit to help us to pray, and an advocate to present our prayer. Sometimes God's children must see the world's emptiness to be acquainted with Christ's fullness. If God sees it to be good for them to have more of the world, they shall have it. He will not let them want any good thing. No fear. No fear. Here's the kicker coming into conclusion. Shorter Catechism number 30 rightly says, the Spirit applieth to us the redemption purchased by Christ by working faith in us and thereby uniting us to Christ in our effectual calling. Or as Paul said in Ephesians 1, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling Huh. Huh. Every now and then I just have to sigh a little bit. I just have to say, huh. I am so glad that I'm a believer. Are you? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. without whom there is no hope, in whom we have the marvelous grace of a loving God who shepherds us toward heaven. You get it?
Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for the instruction that you give us in your word day in and day out. Old truths that come at us in new ways that give us assurance. We are weak, but you are strong. Thank you that you, Spirit of God, strengthen us through the teaching of your word, the chariot in which you ride to bring us succor and help. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.